Captain's Log, Stardate 756-34.7. Our Polaris-class starship had a run-in with the Romulans. Ever since the system succumbed to the supernova, power grabs for the Romulan Star Empire have shown up. Our engineers are working around the clock conducting repairs so a more in-depth investigation can take place. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to wherever home is, home is there. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another adventure here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for uh, this little romp around the cosmos, um, our voices in your ears, my good friend, Lieutenant Commander David, and by the way, not time travel this time. Not this time. That we know of. <laughs> that we know of, right? I mean, this could be set, you know, 40 years, I don't know, in either direction of the Picard show. You never know. You That's never true. Mid-season is when this book is supposed to be set. Who knows? Mid-season of something. Either maybe. maybe. Discovery. I don't know. Possible. Some weird wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but none of that weird, like, parallel universe, time travel, multi-parallel dimensional quantum stuff at all going on. Thank goodness. So, anyway. Yeah, well, it's nice to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that we get a little bit of break from, uh, from time travel uh, for right now. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I mean, we are going to be talking about this audio drama today here on the show. But uh, David, man, like for the people out in listener land, you have done something, man. You have done something different. Like, I think you just got like drafted or something for like the Brewers or, you know, the Diamondbacks or something with that little bit of like mustachioed stuff going on. Yeah, a few few of the uh, few of the guys in the office decided that it was Mustache March, and I'm probably gonna walk into the office tomorrow because I took today off. I'll probably walk in tomorrow and like nobody will have done it. I'll just be like, oh, well now I have a mustache. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. whenever <laughs> whenever we turned on the camera and we were we were just getting ready for the show, it was like. Oh, you've done something different. That's right. Done something different. I have not. I have not. I just showed up, and that was about it. Disappointing. I expect a mohawk next time. That that, that, (laughs) (laughs) would be real professional. (laughs) That is not going to happen. Oh, man. But I guess the big question is, is the mustache now the equivalent of a pixie cut for men? so I don't know what that means but I'm going to go I don't yes. know what it means either I just took two terms that I remembered and put them together fantastic I love it <laughs> love it man pixie cut like that's like the really short the really really short looking thing right some people really pull it off you know yeah some I know do, I do some don't I know I do well, man. No, like, you know you, you got you got to keep you got to keep the hair you know so you can pull off the Riker at all times you know if the aliens, if the aliens ever do come, Chase can just represent. How's it going? It's my time. 
It's finally time. <laughs> I am Commander McKinney. <laughs> I've been demoted? What is this? Well, I mean, if you just want to follow the Riker, you can be captain. I mean, we've already established you can make up your own rules here. That's true. It's That's just true. Eric who wants to play by the rules, and I'm only saying that because he's not here. There we go. <laughs> well done, Eric, not showing up. Eric's not joining us because... Uh, well, he'd rather read books than listen mm. to them. What a nerd. What a weirdo, man. <laughs> God, I can't stand those people. No, I, I get it. Was, it was kind of funny because like, when we were talking about the book we're going, well, the audio drama we're going to talk about today, I had looked it up and I was like, oh, I haven't bought it. I thought I already bought it in advance. And it was like, I don't know, $11. And then I went to purchase it today and it was 9 It's like... Yes. Yes. Save $2. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it when that happens. I love it when a plan comes together. Oh man. Um yeah, I was I was um I was looking at like quite a few um different like books and stuff both on like Audible where this thing is I think exclusively if I'm not mistaken. Correct, um, yeah. as well as Amazon. And there've been some like kind of weird things going on like I have Prime and normally I get like everything like next day but Virtually everything now, it's taking like two or three days, even with Prime, for it to be delivered. Yeah, yeah, it it it, it does. Se- it, it seemed to be that way for really a little while. I just thought it was like the holidays, and then all of a sudden, it's like no, just takes a takes a little bit longer now. I even know a few people who work in the uh, distribution hub here in in Ohio and in, in Columbus. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. Just, you're, you're just not prime enough. Ooh, I'm not prime timeline. I'm yep. next year. The price goes up too. So there mm. you go. Do I have to sign up for Kelvin <laughs> or mirror service or something? You get the black, the black card, the black card of Amazon prime or something Goodness. like that. Good grief. Good grief. Well, how, how, how's your, uh, how's your week started off? I know we're, recording um earlier than we normally do yeah been a full what few days two, two days three <laughs> two days <laughs> no it's been good i went to a uh place called shadow box live which is a um it's an independent non-profit um playhouse basically and um they put on several uh you know, like sketch comedy stuff, musicals, a whole whole host of things, and there's food there too. So all the like the servers and the cooks and all that, they're all also stage performers. So the people you see on stage are also kind of bringing you drinks and stuff, and then nice. they go on stage and like, oh crap, I can't get another. Dr- oh, there's my sister. She's up there. Uh, you know, so it, it it's a pretty it's a pretty cool vibe. I actually really in, enjoyed enjoyed it it was genuinely funny a lot of good you know musical accompaniments so that was that was a lot of fun ate at a few places had the best chicken and waffles that i've ever had most juiciest chicken that i've i've had probably ever wow yeah and the the place had the no offense but the place had the dumbest name it's called drunch drunch drunken lunch Oh, okay. Because it's a bar, and you get brunch, but they called it Drunch. And I hate the name, but the food was really good. 
then I went for a wine tasting later that night at Cooper's Hawk. So yeah, it was pretty pretty packed weekend. It was a lot of fun. So whenever I I'm, um, I, I think I saw you post it like on on one of your socials about about going there, mm-hmm. and um, even like hearing you talk about it now. Whenever I I saw that, whenever I was hearing that, like I wasn't thinking drunk lunch. I was thinking like, you know, dinner, lunch. That's what I thought, or something like that. You know, like it just yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought, and I, I asked before we went. It's like so we can't go there until like five, after five. It's like no, what what are you talking? Yeah, drunch, dinner and lunch, unless they're you know they're doing a southern thing and calling lunch dinner and then dinner is supper. Right, right. But no, it was drunken lunch. So, huh. <laughs> but yeah. that was the exact thought I had when I was propositioned to go. Propositioned. Oh That's my. Right. Propositioned. Oh my. Lunch for hire. The seedy streets of Columbus. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. There was a. I think when you were down here for the party, uh, my wife she got this. Um, it was like a chicken and waffle thing at the the uh, biscuit bar that we went to for uh, oh, yeah, breakfast right. the one day. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a, it, what was it called? Like chicken, not the waffle or chicken. Yeah, that's. Waffle. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, because like everything there's a biscuit, something or another. So. Right. But I remember that being pretty darn good too. So if I'm ever near neck of the woods, I'm gonna have to go to this drunch place and get this uber juicy chicken and waffle I'm never someone who wants to eat chicken and waffles because I want chicken or I want waffles I don't want the two in the same thing but I was going to get a crab cake eggs benedict because that sounded amazing but then I saw somebody next to us order that chicken and waffles like okay that seals it I've got to get that chicken (laughs) I did fantastic oh lordy well um, cool. Star Trek Picard. By the way, happy Star Trek Picard Day. Season 2 comes out today, um, if you're listening to this on the day it releases. And uh, with that, um, this is a story that is, um, I guess, a lead-up of sorts to it. I guess it's technically considered canon, um, bridging some Season 1, Season 2 stuff for the most part. So this is an audio drama, not an audio book, audio drama. Um, so if you've never been into audio dramas before, um, we'll, we'll tell you if this is maybe worth it, um, when we get towards the end in terms of like an evaluate our evaluation conversation, but, um, like all our other discussions, um, this is your red alert. This is your spoiler warning as we go into, um, our discussion of Star Trek Picard, No Man's Land. So before we get, I don't want to belabor this too much in terms of like, what I'm about to ask, but um, David, have you had any experience just listening to audio dramas in general? Uh, yeah, I, um, in the Star Wars sphere, we had the Doctor Afra audio drama and Dooku Jedi Lost, which was originally an audio drama. They did release both of those in their book form as well, but it, I, I have. I have the Dooku one. I didn't buy the Afra one, but I did buy the Dooku, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, it was kind of written like a script. So kind of like Cursed Child for Harry Potter, you know, where okay. you buy the book and it's like it looks like a script. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'll say this about audio dramas. 
if they're good, they're really good. Uh, if they're not, they can be really tedious. And I mean, it, when you think about it, this goes back to the roots of radio. When, mm-hmm. you know, radio was TV. <laughs> you, right. you, you had personalities on the radio uh, that would read off these, these intricate plays. And uh, what, what's the song? You know, Video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, it, was a, it was a happy medium at the time. And then you had to go into film. But I, I do kind of, I, I think that the coolest thing about the audio dramas is bringing specific voices. So like in this case, we have Jerry Ryan coming in at seven. And I apologize, I do not remember the actress Michelle name. Who, there we go, for, for Rafi. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, you, you, you get a, a voice that you recognize to you know, the character and the voice that, that you're hearing in the drama. Plus, a lot of times, if there's a good budget for it, you know, you can get some some better music, better scoring, uh, and so forth. I mean, I'll, I'll say, you know, might as well just throw on some copyright-free rock and roll, brother, and just, you know, rock on out. Uh, because that... That that's hilarious to me because I do recognize that particular copyright free rock tune. I'm not sure if it's in the YouTube catalog. It's it's on a catalog that I perused at some time, so it's like super ambiguous rock and roll. But um, but yeah, I, I usually can enjoy the audio drama. It just all depends. The only other thing that I'd say is Afra and Duku were a lot longer. I think we both said this like an hour and a, this is only going to be an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. What? But hey, shorter attention span might appreciate that. Yeah. So for me, um, you and I, we're, we're both Doctor Who fans to mm-hmm. different extremes, I suppose. And my, my, my absolute favorite doctor that I just can't get enough of is David Tennant's 10th Doctor. And um, it was a handful of years back. I want to say right around 2015, 16-ish is when a full cast 10th Doctor audio drama uh, or set of stories or whatever came out from um, the company Big Finish who does a lot in terms of Doctor Who audio stuff. And there was, um, so they came up with like like three, I think it was like three stories on one this one particular volume and they were like full length Doctor Who episodes. Like so they were like all like, you know, forty five, fifty some odd minutes long, whatever it ended up being. And they had Billy Piper as Rose Tyler in all of oh, them. Oh cool. And then like there was a volume two, I wanna say, and it had um Catherine Tate um come on as Donna Noble. Donna Noble. And yeah. they did like that like if if um like they did like that theme music from whatever show or like season you know like Billy Piper was in they did the same theme music that was consistent with Donna Noble and stuff like Catherine Tate's um, Donna Noble so it was cool like they were really good about it they had like all the sonic screwdriver the TARDIS sounds all the stuff it was really cool so cool. Um, I had a very positive experience with an audio drama and I enjoy audio dramas um, I mean like it has the opportunity to really further the, uh, the 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 universe in which the story the the whatever is set in, um, and it, it just like whets appetites, you know, like it, it's it can satiate whatever um, appetites uh, whenever there's like a drought of something or we're waiting for the next thing to happen. 
And right. at that point, like we were just barely into the Capaldi era and people just wanted more David and they wanted more Matt and so on and so forth. And here we are. Today is when uh, freaking uh, Star Trek Picard's coming out and we can finally do that. But this has kind of been like uh, out about a week um, prior to yeah. this new season coming out. Kind and of, kind of feels like they could have like pushed the release date like back, you know, like like a week before you're going to drop Picard. I mean, yeah. Push it back a couple weeks. Give a, give a little bit of chance to get the get get people's you know feet wet a little bit. <laughs> I guess that wasn't really the priority. I I don't know, I don't know. But like, of course, we get like the the little tease at the very end mm. of stuff, which oh, we just have to wait. Ha ha ha! Wink wink. Nudge nudge. Break the fourth <laughs> wall, why don't you? Type of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so yeah. um, anyway, I uh. I've had a positive experience with audio dramas. It sounds like you have too, uh, with like different fandoms, not necessarily Star Trek. Most of the Star Trek stuff that we've done has been straight up audiobook, and I think there has been like an audio drama here and there, but not too much that I'm personally aware of at this point. And um, anyway, let's get into this. Let's let's actually talk about it for real, for real now. So when we last left Seven and Rafi. Um, we, they were all there um, on the La Serena um, saying goodbye or, you know, holding hands and stuff before they all, like, warped out and went off on their merry way doing whatever. And this essentially is kind of picking up after an undisclosed amount of time, for the most part. Uh, just And we, we find these two characters, voiced, like you said, by um, Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd, respectively, uh, at Rafi's place in the desert. And they're sipping on some Picard wine and just having a good old time, just chit-chatting. Chateau Picard. Playing, like, basically 20 questions of sorts <laughs> with, like, a truth or dare something. I don't really truth or dare. That is, like, that is always the most awkward, like, first, probably second date thing that pretty much every couple does is is a stupid 20 questions thing and it's always awkward you never you're not quite sure how in depth you want to go i will say as awkward as it is i think they made it as awkward as it normally is for this audio drama so yeah it was true to form yeah yeah with like the the music and everything that kind of accompanied it as well like yeah like a little bit of like some guitar action going on they're listening to rios's uh mixtape Yep. <laughs> His Spanish guitar mixtape. So there we go. And yeah, like they're, they're ba- so like with, with everything going on, like they're, they're essentially like kind of like dodging each other's questions uh, throughout this whole thing. And just virtually out of nowhere, or actually quite literally out of nowhere, this random like person just shows up while they're in the middle of like some personal stuff and um oh by the way there's stuff going down need your help wait what the space rangers need you it's morphin' time <laughs> i was thinking more of putting on some denim and maybe doing a couple roundhouse kicks but you know what you go you have the belt buckle for it dude that's right 
<laughs> the eyes of Texas are upon you. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, Seven is still part of the Fenris Rangers, and it's one of her associates, colleagues, something or another, that is essentially trying to get her attention, saying, oh, by the way, um, there's some like Romulan shenanigans that are taking place that we need to um, kind of get on uh, quickly, basically. And, uh, of course, Rafi is kind of, like, taken aback by it and just, like, wondering, like, wait, wait, hold on. Wait, what? You you have to go and do this thing? Are you sure? And it after, like, some awkward back and forth for just a minute or two, it's like, all right, fine, whatever, let's go type of thing. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that um, I think is still sort of un, unresolved with Rafi is I understand her lack of motivation because of the way in which, you know, the whole Romulan relocation happened, the response of Starfleet after the Romulan, you know, sun went Nova or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. blew up. Um, but even in this book, she she still doesn't really display any sort of motivation like what are, what are we going to do with the character long term? You know, what is what is this character's kind of um, path going to look like? Whereas Seven is still very much active, out there, doing doing the thing, kind of filling in kind of the uh, the divots that Starfleet's not with the with the Rangers. Uh, Raffi kind of has to be drug along a little bit. Yeah, and and you're you're touching on something that I want to certainly revisit, and I hope I remember um, at the end of this, uh, with like that kind of like duality that you're kind of pointing at, right there. Uh, but yeah, like at this point, yeah, what are we doing with her? Because as you, I mean, as we know, like as anyone knows that. What was in that watched and followed the first season of Picard? That's like rewatched it, however many times. I mean, she she was really jaded, man. Like she was like yeah. really hurt by Picard, and she was like just nursing an addiction, um, and like she had so much fallout, and like she found some purpose in going back to Picard and helping him with his thing and like the floating flower things over at Capelius, and yeah what do you do now like you just go back to your rv and just you know pull out your dab pen your vape your whatever and just do that in perpetuity i mean like what do you do yeah kind of kind of seems like that although I, i i wonder if her in you know her back in are they gonna try and leverage seven as her back in you know what I mean? Wasn't quite as clear at the end of this book, but like, yeah, she did come back and help Picard, but in kind of a, dim- I would say a diminished capacity. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't Starfleet Raffi that we got in season one of Picard, you know? No, it's not. But obviously they're not going to just ignore that character, I wouldn't think. I would hope not. I mean, we got to remember that, I mean, especially if you read the Star Trek Picard countdown comics, 
and even like the flashbacks, flashback, whatever that we had with with Rafi and all the story that we had with Rafi and Picard, like Rafi was Picard's number one on the USS Verity. Yeah. Like even even a lieutenant commander working with a four pip admiral, she was his XO for crying out loud. Yeah. So like she's got some skills and like most of most of what she was doing in that Romulan effort was, you know, like she was essentially heading that up. I mean, as the executive officer of the dude that's in charge of the Romulan relocation effort, you're doing a lot of crap for crying out loud. Yeah. You're sure. not just sitting in the center seat while, you know, he's eating a bagel for crying out loud. You're doing a lot more than that. Croissant. Croissant. Yeah. Not a bagel. Okay. I mean, he's French. Come on. You know what? He's got an English accent. He can have a bagel if he wants to. Look, I mean, all I know is that when he and Dr. Crusher had their little mind meld thing going on, <laughs> you just want coffee and croissant. That's all you wanted. Yes. Yes, Beverly. <laughs> Just a simple oh, breakfast. So, no bagels. Different pastry. D- different bread confectionery. Okay. All right. Details. You're, you're the detail guy. <laughs> Coming fall 2025. The detail guys. <laughs> I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, just let me know when that Patreon gets set up for the detail guys. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so we're 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 getting up out out of there. We're on this ship, and uh, we're we're en route, and we're we're introdu- I mean, we're al- even prior to this, like the dude that like picks them up or picks them up has like this aversion to communicators, and then like and translators, and can't seem to like get like even certain phrases right, which I thought was a little funny, but. The, this other character who's like essentially flying things I think he's like the helmsman the navigator the something who's like fl- do, just doing the stuff while everyone else is talking Deet, Deet okay yeah. so I'm, I'm about to probably tick some people off by even mentioning this but I was getting some like major Babu Frick vibes just <laughs> listening to that guy on the audio <laughs> drama oh that's funny yeah, I guess I could see that. Uh, it's difficult with alien languages, isn't it? It's 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 it's, it's 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 difficult when you're trying to introduce this sort of stuff because, like, even with uh, even with Klingon, it just seems like all they're saying is kapla, like, or some variant of that. <laughs> they didn't Tolkien. Yeah, they they didn't Tolkien that language enough, you know. <laughs> That's right. Although. I guess technically there is a whole fleshed out Klingon language, but anyway. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, just just this, this dude who's just like mumbling and rambling about stuff and um, uh, what was the character's name um, that was like running interference? The guy that picked up Seven and Rafi was, um, was it um, Hero? I think it was like, it's that sounds right. I I'm I do not remember names very well for this book. I, I cannot remember the guy's name. Okay. It's not like the internet's giving us any help with that either. No, no. I was trying to find a cast list, just like you were, and um, probably wouldn't be on IMDb, would it? 
would do a pass list on IMDb, would they? Only there's a way we could find out real quick. Yeah. This is some great podcasting right here. Well, you know, we're 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 usually pretty well prepared, right? But we're we're just missing that third piece to tell us all the all the lore. Look, I I listened to this audio drama twice, and which is impressive. And. Yeah, like I'm having a hard time even remembering the names. Um, but the thing that's okay, the thing that drew the attention. So, like with these Romulans, there's a character named um, Rian, and Rian is apparently the the illegitimate son of a of the of a Romulan em- emperor uh, from right around the time um, of the the supernova that took place uh, right around. Uh, 20 some odd years prior yeah. give or take and this dude is essentially trying to get what he done didn't have uh, back in the day and just trying to get, like I don't know rebuild the empire and have some glory and a few hurrahs along the way and um uh, we're trying to essentially stop this guy from doing some shady, questionable stuff on his quest for a for the MacGuffin, essentially, of this story. Yeah, and it, it seems like he's kind of one of those take-no-prisoner kind of people. Ruthless, very dangerous. Has a, a somewhat older Romulan ship. You, you remember the class of it, didn't the you? The D-Daredex, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, in this space where there really is no federation help literally no man's land yeah the you know our sort of rangers have kind of, it seems like they butted up against the guy before um yeah. but yeah essentially the the macguffin as you <laughs> you put it uh it's this I, piece of jewelry yeah i i mean it i i don't I don't know. I guess you could science your your way around this type of thing, but like, well, here's a question. Here's a fun question, Chase. Uh oh. So the piece of jewelry that grants immortality to the wearer. How would you science that in this in this sort of galaxy, in this sort of fandom? Like, how would that work? Look, look, man. That sounds like it's verging on a math question. Which I would defer to Eric normally. Well, I mean, like but, nano nanotechnology that constantly replenishes you, or like uh, I don't know, a, I sort of like some sort of cryo process that slows down your aging. Or I was thinking, like, yeah, like something having to do with like um, like some kind of like temporal field or something, mm. yeah. right? Like, if I'm shooting from the hip on that one, like it maybe it's like some kind of of a of temporal field that um, isolates certain whatevers in terms of like the regenerative process, like with your RNA and whatever to, to help or, or it helps. Yeah. It, it helps like with resequence, resequencing um, of your cells or, or creating more healthy replications of your cells by wearing it. Um, things of that nature. Do you like that as a foil in this though? I mean, just thinking about Star Trek, 
because I mean, we met some like immortal people. Uh, there was the one old guy uh, in Next Gen who killed all the Hoosnock. Not just the men or the soldiers, but the women and all Hoosnock. You know, that guy. The guy from the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we also have the Baku and the Sona from Insurrection. Mm-hmm. They but, just stretch their faces. Yeah, and they just live yeah. on a planet with like, some cool space spores. That keep them all young and vibrant. Yeah. All right, Mother Gothel. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I don't know. Like, I was having like just a a hard time, like with with that kind of idea of great. We have a magic necklace that's going to give us immortality, and then what? Because, like, I mean, just because it gives you immortality doesn't mean that I can't go, like, stabby-stab or, you know, phasey-phase and you not, you know, go, you know, kaput. Does it, though? Hey, look, there's no force field around it that we know of. We didn't really test the theory. No, no, like, that's the thing, like, okay, so we're kind of jumping around, but that's okay. But, like, there's a professor in here that is like at the center of all this stuff. And he was part, he, he essentially became this refugee because of the supernova that happened some 20 some odd years prior. Not a Romulan. Not a Romulan though. Um, he's just like this freakishly old dude, very kind. Um, Over 2,000 years. Oh. A, a, a little off, right? Um, with, with stuff, but uh, a sweet guy from, mm-hmm. from what we can tell. And his wife, like him and his wife were kind of having this like back and forth of like this particular um, little piece of jewelry. That's the key to everything type of thing. And uh, more on her later. Yeah. We, we, we hear like in this conversation, like he's found at some point. Um, and... Through a series of events, he ends up getting to um, this Rian character, this this um, Romulan emperor of sorts. And and I was talking to you about this, like we were kind of like having a chuckle uh, prior to hit and go. But um, there's, there's just this back and forth of, where is it? Where's Helena? Helena's at home. Where's home? Wherever Helena is. <laughs> Helena being his wife, by the way. But where is she? She's at home. <laughs> yeah. What did what did they call the what did they call the the necklace? So it was like it, it's not the infinity gate, but it was another word for infinity. It was um, oh, it was an algebra term. Freaking a. Yeah, but it basically meant infinity. I mean, essentially, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's what they were calling it. But but just just to backtrack just a wee bit, the planet that our you know, fake Romulan Empire emperor is attacking in quotations. It seemed to me like kind of like the Romulan library because it, it sort of seemed like the the place where you know after the relocations, this was the planet that we took all of the historical items, all of the writings right. and memories and all of that stuff of the Romulan Empire and kind of put a defensive grid around it 
and seemingly there are Romulans here as well. Right. Um, but all that our, our Emperor wanted was this guy, which was the surprising twist. He's like, oh, he's going to come and kill everybody and take all the all the cool Romulan stuff. But no, he just wanted one guy. Right. And the Fenris Rangers, uh, with a lot of a lot of um, it taking place, mainly from what we know, through Seven, uh, they were part of the, the effort to essentially uh, reclaim all these like Romulan artifacts and get them from point A to point B at this at this new planet like this like you said like this archive this um, the this like storage shed mm. like planet wide storage shed of stuff um, and as we saw in Picard season one like there were these different planets that people were hanging out at um, as refugees so I mean a lot's happened um, since that effort um, like they've been trying to like just like put things back together and like reclaim things so that was kind of neat I kind of like that little that little um, detail but yeah, just one thing do you think it was just another middle finger from the Federation of the Romulans though that it wasn't the Federation who specifically like set up this planet I mean you're talking about all the cultural relevance from the Romulan Empire and it's the Rangers that are effectively doing this I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but I mean, it would make sense. And I guess the thing that I'm think that, that I'm just like wondering is, you know, when when we're looking at the story of the Romulan star and like like the, the Empire and everything just going to be no more because everything's going to like blow up and die. And over here, you know, we have to go and build a, a whole fleet. Of, of ships and we have to put them to service and we have to ferry people around we have to evacuate an entire planet of in almost innumerable amounts of, of folks and it's going to happen in a very short amount of time I think they said like if it's been a minute but I think it was like uh, about 15 months or something like that I want to say about 15 months from the time they found out about it until the time that it was going to go supernova and go you know, peace out, whatever. Right. So the the focus should be, I think, on getting the folks out. And if there were 15 months just to get people out, how was there enough time to get trinkets? I mean, not, I, mean I don't mean to be re, like reductionary, yeah. but like how was like legitimately, how was there enough time to get like those those significant artifacts, even if it was Fenris Rangers. Like let's let's just say let's just say for a second that even Starfleet was like, yeah, cool, grab it. That that's a whole planet's worth of stuff that you're like fearing around. Like well, technically multiple planets when you think right. about it. Right. Yeah, like the whole empire. Yeah, like you're yeah. looking at like multiple systems of stuff. Yeah, I mean it. You, you got to think that there were people that would bring stuff with them because that's just a thing that people do. And I think you can probably disregard human and just say that about any species would probably do that in some way, shape, or form. Although in in this technically technologically-minded era, data tapes, computer cores, stuff like that, that actually record this, I mean, ping it for God's sake, to some other computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the physical artifacts are... 
I guess we don't really know what the physical artifacts were, though. It's, yeah. Like, I, I know for me, like, if if something happened to my residence, and heaven forbid it doesn't, um, but if anything ever happened, like, I'm going for stuff that, like, I can't replace. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm going for, like, stuff that, like, my daughter made when she was, like, really little. Um, like pictures, I'm going for pictures of like my kids when they were young, year younger that I might not have my phone or, or I might grab like my external hard drive that I know all that stuff is on, mm-hmm. right? Like that's precious to me. Like I can replace a computer screen. I can replace a phone, right? Like even my phone is connected to like some cloud thing. So like it's synced somewhere and like I yeah. can just re-upload that pretty easily. But like I know that there's, there's a... Um, there's like that sentimental that like priceless value of something but i don't know i don't, I don't want to get too hung up on it but like just the fact that like we're 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 we're, we're doing this multi-planet multi-stage never been done before historical relocation to save an entire species yep that just seems like a lot like to well to, but Go grab the stuff and move it to a storage shed. But again, to increase the scope, like we said earlier, it's not just Romulans. It was anyone in Romulan space. And that is going to encapsulate other cultures as well, potentially, that the Romulans had like annexed or, you know, whatever that had been a part of the Empire. So it's not just Romulan history. I mean, it's it's other history, too. So Sure. Anyway. Which could have also been like even Remans. Uh, true. You know. Now we don't like those guys. No, they do weird stuff. <laughs> weird stuff. Okay. Um, so, through all this, um, we have we have a series of events. I, I know we're kind of like, y'all don't know we're jumping around, but we're jumping around. Um, but, like, Rafi and Seven are get down like they're trying to go get this thing and they're like kind of having like this quick conversation of like what do we do and seven's like i'm going and like she like literally goes in somewhere guns blazing and rafi doesn't like it and like she's kind of getting stormed by like i think it was like six other folks and rafi's like beam beam her out beam her out beam her out and Mm. she didn't she wasn't too happy about that because she felt like her individuality was being taken away from her once again yeah well that that sort of clash happened at least twice in this book where seven effectively goes off and sort of does her own thing rafi's kind of mad about it there's even one part where it's like rafi said oh i thought we were on the same page we just had this whole talk under the starlight and stuff and and then, you know, Seven still goes off and does her thing. But I, I do think you, you said the sort of magic phrase, the uh, her Seven's individuality, you know, this individuality that had been reclaimed after leaving the collective, which I think would be particularly hard to get close to just because she is going to have to figure out and apparently hasn't quite sectioned that out yet. Uh, although... I kind of feel like they notched away at that a lot more in Voyager, but fine. Okay. Uh, but seven trying to be her own person 
So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think I'd kind of need Eric a little bit more on that because I know he likes Voyager a lot more than I do. But I kind of felt like we notched away at that a lot more. And not to be too singular here, but we also did have kind of a casual throwaway line to her whole sort of like Chakotay thing. It's like you know there was a person, you know, bat. Yeah. Well, yeah, like there was, uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of Voyager was like, especially when she came on, was this whole like finding individuality after being part of a collective, like individualistic versus collectivistic, um, in terms of like how you interact and how you depend on others or not depend on others type of thing, the context of depending on others and what that looks like, and um, I mean, eighteen years. Right, like is what is what they said in the in the audio drama. Like, I was part of them for eighteen years before I was separated. Yep. And um, I mean, it's been you know twenty basically since they've been back, or, or a little bit more than twenty, I should say, like give or take. Yeah, she did say somewhere in here that she had been doing what she's doing currently for twenty years. So mm-hmm. she's been a ranger to die, or something to that effect for at least twenty years. So. Yeah. So, I mean, there have been opportunities for her to pragmatically, pragmatically uh, learn and grow and stuff. But at the same time, it's been kind of probably more isolating than anything else. Like even like leading up to this, it's like no uniforms. We just kind of go do what we got to do. And that's it. You got a ship. Cool. Go do the thing. And that's it. Yeah. And I think more on a base level, though, like people being in a relationship you do have to give up some things you know they call it compromise but we all know what that means no but but, but there, there is there, there's a give and take even in a relationship and i think like it, it it sets up fairly poignantly throughout this and even towards the end that seven isn't quite ready for that regardless so well, we, we learn more about, um, so through the course of this, like we're, we're, we're discovering these logs of these like love letters, essentially these recordings, these things between this, uh, this ancient professor and his wife, um, Helena and comments about like man he really was romantic and stuff like that and like things just um, starting to unfold more and more and more and why this is uh, I guess becoming important to this Romulan emperor of sorts Mm -hmm. and along the way we have to we have to finally react to um, going to this one this one particular system where things are about to go down and we have to really sell it. At least Rafi has to really sell it at one point uh, with this other Fenris Ranger, the guy that picked everyone up, and Deet, um, and pretending to be Starfleet officers on the USS Nightingale that was like lost or was taken over, like question mark on like what actually happened to this thing. But we have to like make it look good and pretend we're Starfleet so we can like just flex a little bit and try and stop some things before they start. And that was, that was a little casual, but I mean, 
they they said that the rangers would sometimes find damaged ships, tow them off to their damaged ship planet and scavenge for parts. But yeah, conveniently, they had an entire Starfleet vessel that was good enough to run. It was a science vessel, but it still had its weapons and like complement of torpedoes and I mean, that to me was a little bit story convenient. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about that. If you're if you're in this Ranger Corps and like you're dealing with bad guys, you know, maybe you're taking damage. The first thing that I would want to do if I had a Starfleet ship is either cannibalize it for its weapons and its systems and its technology or bring that up and use it. I mean, it's a Starfleet vessel, man. It's it's bigger than their little ships that they have. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point um, in this story, where, like, where they're talking about, like, we need more firepower because all we got is X, Y, and Z things for ourselves. Yeah. Which is basically, like, like I can count on one hand the number of, like, I think, like, torpedoes that they had. They were, like, f- well, three, but four, three working, but a total right. of four, yeah. Yeah. And then, like... We get over to the Nightingale, if I'm not mistaken, and we basically have the same thing. Like, what? Wait, wh- why are we making? Why did we make a big deal? Like, it's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, except like one Starfleet and one's not. It's like random ship number four thirty-seven, basically. True. However, when we actually did have to use it, its firepower seemed significantly more powerful. Yeah, it seemed a little OP to me. I mean, yeah, a little, a lot OP. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it seemed like towards the end of this, this ship, this particular ship could have turned the tide this whole time. You know what I mean? It just took Rafi. (laughs) Yeah. So, we... Rafi puts on the red from what we know and it's like I'm acting captain Raffaella Musiker on behalf of the of um, Starfleet and the United Federation of Planets you need to stop it basically yeah quit it stop bad boy down (laughs) (laughs) squirt him with a little water bottle type of thing and I mean, after a little bit of some stuff, you know, some dialogue and some other random things happening, the skirmish is over. The conflict is over. Like, it ended as quickly as it began, basically. Which, I mean, let's be fair. Like, I don't want to be too critical of that. It's an hour and a half audio drama, so you have to be a little quick with some things. Well, I think just from a literary standpoint, the main... The main story here was a relationship. Well, was relationships. I liked the little asides with the with the letters. I thought that they were sweet and they were, you know, a good backstory type of thing. But this book wasn't really about the conflict because I didn't even remember the part where that you had said earlier where this, you know, our, our Romulan uh, self-appointed emperor was like potentially from a line that included a former emperor or whatever or whatever. I didn't really catch that because it was it seemingly was an insignificant side of the story and then even the end 
this big bad Romulan ship was overtaken by a, in quotation, Starfleet vessel that had just been in a junk heap. Mm -hmm. So at that point, again, it was such a small part and it was really about relationships, relationship building. And then this, this trinket that gave you immortal life, which was never really explained. It was just there. It was a thing. It happened. The professor had lived for over 2000 years. He tried to give it to his wife, but his wife died. So it's somewhat unexpected. Well, expectedly, but not, you know, for him. And he never got the chance to give it to her like he wanted, although she didn't want to take it in yeah, general. She had refused to take it. And I think, I think that brings up sort of a philosophical question, if you want to think about it for a second, about immortality and would you want to live forever if you could? Because the, the idea of, I, I mean, it's, it's displayed in so many things. You, I mean, like mediums like, like Highlander was, was this sort of whole, you know, who wants to live forever? And there can only be one. There can only be one. But the issue is, is that this professor had found the love of his life. They clearly loved each other. They were clearly, yep. you know, great together. And they were able to go around the Romulan Empire and discover all these sites and everything. But at the end, it seemed like most of the time this trinket had basically driven people mad or, or had driven them to want to die because they had seen too much or hollow life and all of that sort of thing. So I, I kind of almost wish they would have thought about that a little bit more for the audio drama, just from a philosophical standpoint, just discussing that a little bit more they did a little bit but I, I could have done a, with a little bit more of that personally I think, I'm, maybe I'll throw a wrench in this like um, I don't know if you, uh, how do I want to differentiate this I don't know if I'd want to like live forever like as a mortal right like in this body that I'm in at this moment but like if we're talking about the eternal soul like depending on like a worldview that someone might may or may not have, like I believe that the eternal soul could have like this immortality where you like like that carries on long after like your your physical self perishes. Like I'm okay with that, but like the the the, the this mortal coil of sorts. Like no, no, I would not want that. And I think they even said something about that too um, unless I'm confusing things like one of the, the worst things is like like living forever and the people around you perishing and like yeah. being alone like not being able to die is like the greatest like punishment of sorts yeah yeah for sure and even for the professor who was a historian it, you know I, I think I don't remember the line but he he said something to the effect of like the greatest bobble or something like that for for a historian but but again still there there's always a there, there's always seemingly a breaking point for that kind of stuff yeah. so and he was obviously at his, at his breaking point i mean he was he was essentially mad with grief he wasn't he wasn't insane he was mad with grief and he didn't quite know how to deal with it 
because the whole time he knew that his his wife had passed away he he knew that he was there but at the same token you know he he had kind of become somewhat broken but still had his moments of lucidity he was he i mean i was i was thinking like that he was in some like major major cases of denial mm-hmm. you know um yeah. I mean, knowing what happened, but trying to protect her and just, and I guess even protecting the artifact to a certain extent from others that would t- want to take advantage of it. Yeah. Now, do he, they did mention in the book that it was broken. He had broken it. But does that mean that it is unusable or just like broken? That's a great question. Because there was even a part at the end where I believe it was Rafi who had said something about like she was offered it or something like that. So that means that it's not like it's still a thing, right? That's that's what I'm guessing. I I don't really know like what the broken thing is unless it's like unless you want to go back to what um. Uh, I think it was like uh, Hero. Was that his name? I'm sorry, guys, guys and gals listening. What like with his like big thing about like language, you know, and like translators and stuff like that. I'm part of me is wondering if if that's something in terms of does broken mean what we think it means, like in this confirmation bias thing that we were talking about with discovery. Mm-hmm. Or does broken mean something else? Like the chain has been broken. Like the links of stuff, like from one person to the next, of life has been broken. Or does it mean, like, what does it mean? Like, what does this broken thing actually mean? Like, is it stuck on, like, the technological aspect of functionality or something more metaphorical? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't know. Like I said, it seemed like it was still being offered up, so I don't know yeah. if either really applies technically. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it does because seemingly nobody took it. Right. So I guess we can infer that it's still on the planet that we left it on. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe that'll be season two of Picard going out. Oh, my God. Picard gets the pendant. He lives for Oh, okay, fine. Get Got it. He's not only Gollum, but he gets to live forever. Fine. Okay. Great. 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 Cool. 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 Yep. Chateau <laughs> Picard forever. Got it. <laughs> no. Okay. So there was something that um, I said I wanted to come back to at the very end, um, and I was hoping I wouldn't forget, and I did not. But we were talking about how, and you you had pointed this out, how it seemed like Seven knew what she wanted. And Rafi didn't, if I heard you correctly, at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, that's true, yeah. And, like, how she's kind of, like, on this path or whatever. But then we get to the end of this. And they're, they're talking about their relationship of, like, this will they, won't they, I don't know what to do. Um, and oh, by the way, I got a cool text message from JL um, saying I got my job back doing something. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. 
you don't seem to know what to, what to do. I know what I'm going to do. So it, it totally like flips. Like there, it just is inverted, right? In terms of Seven seeming like she's on this path, like she's like dead set on something. To and Rafi not, kind of feeling like lost and kind of wandering aimlessly. To it being just turned around, just outright. Yeah, I, I would say that's true for Seven in the relationship thing. I, I think she's still kind of into the whole ranger life, not necessarily the more organized kind of ideal of Starfleet type of thing. But yeah, the the sort of teaser at the end was, was fascinating because, you know, again, like we said in the beginning, it, I, I think it would behoove the story to remove Rafi and just keep her in her desert RV setting, smoking her that it had a name we discovered the name snake oil <laughs> what <laughs> so dumb but anyway I, I i don't think that that would work for for the entire because I, I think i think there's a part of like picard that kind of needs her or somebody like her and it might as well be her because it was already her to go forward and it seems like we have picard back in the federation so that seemingly could mean that we have what Admiral Picard back. So, I mean, or is he they like kind Captain of, Picard again. No, no, no. I mean, I watched the clip from the ready room, so I know what to expect with with some choices. I never watched that darn ready room. <laughs> and I think I talked about this on our um, on our discovery um, last discovery conversation that we had too about about some of that. So. Like, I already know, like, a little bit of, like, what was being teased in this particular story. Like, what some of the outcome is already. Based on, like, that ready room thing. Well, they're trying to do some spoilers? Yeah, basically. Really? Basically. Yeah, so if you go to the Discovery um, show on Paramount Plus, and you go down to, like, extras or ready room or whatever it is, and, like, the most recent one... It's like right around like minute two, I want to say minute two or three that they're talking about like Picard season two and like where it kind of picks up. But and Chase, I don't wanna. All the fans at home, they can do that. You can tell me afterwards, but I don't wanna. Okay. Well, <laughs> by the time y'all are actually listening to this, Picard season two has already come out. So there you go. So you already know what's what's going on or about to happen. Whatever, it's fine. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. It's fine. We, we just slingshot around the sun. We just went back. That's we got right. some whales. We're coming right back. You never even missed us. Totally. It's fine. Um, okay. So, David, we got through this audio drama, and we're ready for Picard Season 2. So, um, let's... I guess we'll treat this like um, like any other book, right? Um, that we any, any other review that we do, just on a scale of 1 to 5. Um, so... One being dumpster fire, five being fantastic. So, um, for me, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily mind this story um, at all. the The only problem I think I, I have with it is not that it's an audio drama, but there are just like some like pieces of the story that just I had a hard time connecting with in terms of like tracking and like even remembering like certain character names in some locations. Um, 
I really, I really did enjoy the Rafi um, Seven dynamic for the most part. Um, I really enjoyed the Professor, and um, I mean, it was, it was a fun, it was just a fun adventure for the most part. Um, even the audio jungle, royalty-free music, um, I didn't mind. Like that sweet guitar, man. That was, that was some good stuff. Um, I hope that there is some kind of um, connection that we maybe we get like a little bit more of like some payoff to some of this stuff like in earnest when we get to Picard season two maybe um, so for me I mean just because like even after listening to it twice um, I had like a hard time even remembering some stuff and like connecting some stuff and still feeling lost um, it's not bad it's not certainly not horrible um but like I I mean I don't know maybe I'm generous but like maybe I'm not I'm just I keep thinking like a 4-2 for me like I think I can live with like a 4-2 on this particular story um maybe it's too low I don't know but that's just kind of where I'm at nice yeah I mean for me the the, st- the problem I usually have with like kind of like teasers for either a series or like a series a book series or whatever is sometimes they focus a little bit too much on trying to balance not not spoiling anything for a show and a lot of times what you'll see is the the sort of payoff or, or what is the teaser kind of falls either a little flat or is just too heavy-handed and it kind of ruins things i'll say that um you had a very nice bite size hour and a half kind of episode of something uh, that focused heavily on relationships, less so on action, um, but was still able to convey enough danger that made you kind of stay involved in the in the story itself. So, I mean, I I, I large I largely enjoyed it. Um, I think that uh, I think that there are certain aspects, like you kind of pointed out, that maybe there could have been a little bit more time. Like if they push this to two hours, I don't think it would have hurt anything. You know, put just yeah, put like twenty minutes more detail into it, and I and it I it wouldn't have taken away from from maybe the bite-sized thought that they had when they were creating this or, or you know, it wouldn't have ran it very much longer is my point. So I, I think it felt at times a bit incomplete or a bit rushed, but it still told a decent enough story not to, not to mind. Now, I think that the audiobook itself is pretty low-priced, but it's it's like sixteen or eighteen bucks, something like that. Normally, like without that, yeah. an Audible membership, you know, before like because if you have an Audible membership, it discounts it a little bit more. Um, and I think that that is uh, kind of right in a, in a middling zone where it could be a little cheaper for an hour and a half. To be honest, I think that was kind of like something that Eric had said beforehand. It's like, wow, I don't want to pay sixteen, eighteen bucks for an hour and a half. Uh, so I think that there's economically wise a bit of a bit of a return that people might not see on that if I'm just being honest 
So if I'm if I'm complaining about wanting a little maybe 20 minute, minutes more detail, that could impact. But as far as a rating, I, I would say it's it's a it's a perfectly fine little audio drama. Uh, it's nice to hear actual character voices and not some just yeah. random narrator trying to change voices and so forth. Uh, so that was cool. And it gave just enough of a tease to kind of make you think about Picard a little bit more. Like, oh, what's going to happen there? What, what do we got? You know, now we have to watch the ready room because, you know, Chase is always a ready room guy. And nobody else watches it except Chase. I get one view per episode. It's Chase. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> so I, I think, God, I, I think a 4.2 is, is pretty darn pretty darn good. But just to be contradictory, I'm going to give it a 4.25. I figured as much. <laughs> All right, cool. So, would you? I mean, would you uh, recommend this story then? Okay, that's an interesting question. Um, sure, but if you didn't really care much about it, I don't feel like this story is going to have any impact on anything else that's happening. So, if you just if you're just somebody who likes to watch the TV, don't worry about it. But if you're somebody who likes a little bit more of an extra story, you have a little bit of extra money to spend, and you want to spend an hour and a half just kind of casually getting a story blown in your ear, sure. But I wouldn't say that it's necessary. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, for for me, like, having read, like, comics and, like, books and other stuff, um, I mean, it's an opportunity to hang out with some characters again. So. That's really what it boils down to. Um, if you if you enjoy just hanging out with some old friends and seeing what shenanigans they get into, then this is a story that's 100% for you. If you're much more casual, um, I don't know if it's really that necessary. I'm kind of agreeing with, with David. But either way, it's not bad. There, nope. it, It's not a bad story at all. So uh, choose your own adventure and what you want to do. Um, but, I mean... It was fun, and just hearing like actual like sound effects from like Star Trek was cool, and yeah. the actual cast members was cool too. So, yep. All right, well that's it. Um, that is it. So, everyone, what did you think? Um, if you if you have listened to this audio drama, what did you think? Uh, we'd love to hear from you, um, and uh, we will be having more Star Trek conversations coming up very very soon uh, with more Discovery, more Picard, all that stuff. Oh boy. oh boy, oh boy, it's about to get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how your release schedule is gonna look like on all that. Oh, it's it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. Like um, I think I was saying this before, but like Sundays and Mondays will probably Sundays or Mondays, just depending on how crazy my work situation is going. Um, Sundays and Mondays will end up being like the release for the more uh, like the show that has more stuff in the barrel. So, like, in this case, like, Discovery will come out. Discovery recaps will come on either, like, a Sunday or Monday. And then, like, a Tuesday or Wednesday is when the newer show, like Picard in this case, will be coming out. So, and then that'll obviously switch when Strange New Worlds comes out. Like, we'll only have, like, one episode of Carryover instead of three. Oh, God. Yeah, I was about to say, do we have... We only have one episode of Carryover, though. Yeah, just one. <sighs> okay. Because I, I kind of I kind of want to enjoy Strange New Worlds a little bit on its own if I'm being honest with you yeah because that that's one I've kind of been looking forward to yeah yeah like Prodigy and Strange New Worlds have been the two shows that I've been the most excited to get yeah. into yeah so anyway well that's that's a little bit further down the road 
Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you want to learn more about the show, check us out, trtvpod.com. Uh, learn more about us, ways to interact. Leave a comment, uh, show ideas, stuff like that. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to um, you know, help grow the show, we would love you for that. Uh, tell your friends about it. Just download the show for them. You know, Subscribe them to our show. Tell them about it. Post on social media. We are on all, all the things, Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter, all at TRTVPod. Um, we also have some affordable tiers on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash these are the voyages. Um, if you do want to get a hold of us, get in contact with us directly, you can um, open up hailing frequencies and send something to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit before the MacGuffin is done broke it, so be quick about it. Time is irrelevant after that point, apparently. Uh, finally, if you want to mail us something like um, a royalty-free guitar soundtrack that'd be cool make sure you get to lone star station and p.o box 2455 azel texas 76098 everyone thank you so much for listening and as always remember to bold to go and make it simple